next guest is the former quarterback of the Washington football team, as well as an analyst for Auburn and CBS Sports. I want to welcome back on Mr. Jason Campbell. Jason, is everything going for you? What's going on, Zach? Can't complain, man. Just, uh, you know, just this football season, man. It's so crazy. Uh, it don't yeah. matter if you look at college or you look at NFL, you know, teams that beaten teams the week before, and you, you think it's a guaranteed victory the next week, and they get beat by a team that was supposed to beat them. So, you know, this football season has been uh, one of unstable and uh, non inconsistency, uh, so to say the least. Who do you think is the, the most consistent team in the NFL, Green Bay? Well, I would probably say Green Bay. If you look at it, like if Aaron Rodgers is playing in that Kansas City game, they don't lose that game. You know, they you know they lose, what, 14 uh, to 9 or something like that, if I, if I remember. So, you know, you don't talk about a, a possession. You know, that's a game where Aaron Rodgers, they at least score 24 points. You know? So, um, you know, that's just, the, that's just the nature of it. You know, you got some injuries this year. Arizona was looking like a good football team, and all of a sudden they lose Calamari, and then all of a sudden they're, they're faulting a little bit, trying to get him back healthy. Uh, you know, you look at uh, the Rams, you know, as soon as they pick up OBJ, everybody's like, okay, they're about to take off. And then all of a sudden you lose, you know, Robert Woods on Friday to a torn ACL injury, you know, like what, you know, like go figure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just look around the league, like Tampa Bay, everybody's like, oh, Tampa's going to be this team. And, you know, and now like they lost two in a row, you know, and they're not looking like the same champs as last year. So, you know, it's just been a lot of like a roller coasters, man. Like you look at Washington, Washington was two and six. You know, everybody had them losing to Tampa going two and seven, and they found a way to go in there off a bye week and win that football game. But unfortunately, you lose Chase Young for the season. So it's kind of like you gain, but then you lose something, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of them seasons. Yeah, and no, it's incredible, especially the Rams, obviously losing two primetime matchups. Everybody's like, oh, the Rams are the best team. And then you're getting, right. getting spanked by Jimmy G. And obviously Tampa's struggling. I don't know if Tom's showing his age. They obviously have a lot of injuries. I don't think Antonio Brown's played in over a month. And then well, you Gronk's hurt. Brown and you don't have Gronk. So, you know, those two guys, like those two guys on the field, that's a totally yeah. different type of ball game. You know, like that just, you know, that's like going unsaid. But, you know, like I say, you play with who you have. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, everybody can go. Every team has injuries. Yeah, no, because I feel like this year, like, for some reason, I feel like a wild card team is going to come out of nowhere and win it all. I don't think any of these favorites are the real deal, and I feel like whoever just gets kind of gets hot at the end is going to take it. Yeah, because everybody was saying Chargers. Look at the Chargers early in the season, you know, and rightfully so. They were 4-1. and They're 5-4 and now. Right. Herbert was throwing the ball all over the place. You know, defense was playing good. Defense was playing good. You know, young young coach, um, you know, and everything. So everybody was high on the Chargers, and now everyone's kind of cooled off on them a little bit. And everybody was high on the 49ers to start the season off, you know, and now that's the cooled way off. And then they go and beat the Rams team physically, you know, Monday night. And everybody's like, well, okay, or they turn the corner. You know, Seattle is kind of like not look like Seattle. You know, everyone tries to put so much on Russell Wilson's shoulders, but I tell people this is the NFL, you know, and Russ was at Russ's best. You know, he had the Legion of Boom. He had uh, Marshawn Lynch and that offensive line. And it wasn't just Russ, you know what I'm saying? Now, ever since it's just been Russ, he's still been a great quarterback, but he hadn't been able to go into the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs and make those runs because it takes a total football team. And that's why I tell people, even with Aaron Rodgers, been in the league for 17 years, one of the best live arms I've ever seen. You know, like, you know, they developed their guys. When he came out of college, he did not throw the football the way he's throwing it now and how they developed him and how they developed Brett Favre. People don't remember Brett Favre came from the Falcons. They traded him to Green Bay because he couldn't get it done in Atlanta. 
and look how they developed Favre and Bo. And he went there as a gunslinger. So some teams know how to develop players and develop their, not just the quarterback position, but all other positions. But when you think about the overall football aspect, though, like I'm just trying to figure out, like, who can win this thing this year? And right now, I have to say Green Bay, even though Kansas City looks better the last two weeks. But the Raiders was high one time, and they just – the wheels fell off. You know, it's just – so this could be a season where you may see a Green Bay – you know, I can't really tell you in the AFC, like, who's going to really right. pop up, you know, but there's a couple of teams in the NFC that I think are head and shoulders above the AFC. The Patriots may pop up in the AFC. Who knows? Yeah. Patriots beat – who they're playing? They're playing Falcons tonight, and if the Bills somehow lose to the Colts, Patriots are number one team in the AFC East. Right, and using my Buffalo as a team, I'm glad you brought up Buffalo. You know, Buffalo was high on my radar as the, the sleeper team out of the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl, um, you know, no doubt. And they lose to a Jacksonville team, you yeah. know, and then they go yeah, to Tennessee and they're playing the Titans and, uh, you know, quarterback kind of loses his foot in a little bit on the quarterback sneak, but, you know, great play by the defensive line too uh, at the same time. So, you know, give Tennessee credit. They won that game. Tennessee has beaten all playoff teams from 2020 yeah. this season. You know, that's saying a lot. Like, this, that team is built for the, the playoffs. Like, I don't think that's a team you want to place in the play, face in the playoffs, especially if they get Henry back. You know, yeah. like, he's going to be fresh at that time. So, you know, it's just football, man. It's, it's, it, what makes it fun this year is there's not a lot of teams that just head and shoulders. Like, look at Minnesota. Like, they just – they're pop in, they're pop out. You know, it's just Dallas. Like, Dallas is putting up crazy numbers offensively but then you and go they and lose to denver out the denver you know so it's kind of like then they turn around and blow out a you know, atlanta team you know that's kind of you know beat some teams over the last couple of weeks that they shouldn't have beat so I, I really can't tell you like it's honestly gonna come down to the position of the wild card and who gets home field advantage i think green bay gets home field advantage they go because the weather plays a huge factor yeah no it's it's incredible when you look at some of these teams that are obviously at that time were first in their division you're like oh maybe these teams are real deal Bengals first team and they're first in the uh afc north out of southern the, the loosest no-name guy of the jets mike white who's now been replaced by joe flacco bills right. obviously losing to jacksonville you got the uh, rams losing two games in a row um chiefs i don't know what the hell's going on tampa's losing to washington like some of these games you're literally like what what is going on here so it's it's wild i'm hoping like as the season maybe starts kind of gets going a little further we'll kind of see some teams establish themselves as the best but it's it's incredible right now and then and going back to washington obviously the season has not gone as planned fitz got her early heineke's been in he's been in very inconsistent they've gotten one win against the giants and some people didn't think they deserved they got one against the Falcons, and then obviously they had Sunday against Tampa. Where do you see this team going? Do you think it's just kind of like a scrappy team that's just going to knock off a few more wins? Or I don't see them catching up with Dallas. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't see them catching up with Dallas. Dallas is, uh, you know, kind of a league of their own right now in this NFC East division. Uh, you know, Philly is kind of scratching and clawing. You know, trying to find their way with a young coach. Like you said, Washington, you know, they've been so high and up and down. Like you think about the Giants game, the guy jumps outside on the field goal, you know, and uh, and so we get a chance to re-kick. That hardly ever happens, you know, and then you beat Atlanta team that Atlanta was up, you know, to win that game. And they do what Atlanta does sometimes. They give the game away at the end. So, you know, that was a good win for them come off the bye week. Uh, you know, they get a Carolina team this week. Uh, you know, Cam came back. So you definitely know that they're going to be a little bit more run heavy 
uh, until he can get in some more playing shape, but they will hit him with some play action pass. So I expect the game down in Carolina to be just as physical, if not more physical than the game they had to play against uh, Tampa this weekend. So, you know, it's just uh, like I say, Heineke kind of, you know, he's been up and down and everything. And it almost like he has Tampa's number. You know, there's some games you play in Zach where you play against certain teams you just have their number. Like, it don't matter how many times you play them, where you play them at, outside in the streets, ballpark, out in, somewhere in the football field, you're going to put up good numbers just because you just – you have their number. And I think for whatever reason, he loves playing against Tampa, and Tampa has no answer for him, <laughs> you know. So, if he could play Tampa 17 times a year, yeah. he'll play Tampa 17 times a year. No, it's incredible because I know a couple of weeks ago when Brady was on the Manning cast, he was talking about uh, getting ready for the weather in D.C., and I know it was pretty it's cold as shit on Sunday. So I don't know if that contributed to factor. Obviously, he's missing a ton of his weapons. Yeah, he's also Brady, 45 in, years old. So. Right, I can say he played in New England, man, where it's like yeah. 15 degrees in the playoffs. But like yeah. I said, when you were 45 years old, that weather, that cold hits a little bit different. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. And then with the defense, like everybody the coming of the year, they're saying, oh, this is the best defense in football. And then, like, they're not. And then, obviously, lose Chase Young. Like, what do you have? So he's done for the year. What do you have, a sack and a half? Yeah, yeah, uh, he has a second and a half, I, I believe. Um, like I said, I, you know, that's why you got to be so careful, Zach. Like, in the in the offseason, you can start to win football games and read clippings and, and think that we've arrived because you had a great year last year. You know, a lot of that as well, when there's no fans in the stands, it's a little bit easier to communicate. You know what I'm saying? When there's fans in the stands, as a defensive player, especially at home games, you got to be able to create uh, – communicate through crowd noise and then you got to be able to you know kind of tee off on the other player when there's no crowd noise as a defensive end or defensive tackle you can kind of get off on the snaps because it's just you and the other team but now there's a lot of other key factors into it when it comes to football and I just think for this defense man like there were high expectations you know the front seven supposed to have been the best front seven in football and uh and, you know, it just hadn't happened for them. And then you look at the back end, like they supposed to have been better. You know, like you, you go pick up a guy, uh, William Jackson III, you know, you the up, you know, the back end a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not getting, you know, play in the back end that you thought you, you, you would be getting. And, you know, so it's it just so much that's going on with this defense, uh, you know, just trying to figure out how can they create turnovers? You know, how can they just to get sacks, get pressure on the quarterback? And, you know, like some games they've done it, but most games they've not. And it's just a concerning thing. Like, okay, this is all the same guys from last year. We just added a few pieces. Why are we going backwards? And, uh, you know, and, that, and that's a question that they, they have to answer. Coach Rivera is a defensive guy. Is this on Del Rio or is this on the defense? Well, like I said, this was Del Rio here last year, right? <laughs> You yeah. know, so I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit made schematically. Uh, it could be. And also, you know, on you know, the players, you know, you have to own some of it as well. But I, I definitely think it's both. I think, uh, you know, sometimes you could be lined up in the right position. But you look at some of the games, though, like they're getting beat deep sometimes on some of these pass plays. We saw that in 2020. You know, even though the front seven was going, always still was getting beat deep in the back end on play action pass. So you're still seeing some of that. So that hadn't really changed. It just last year, they got to the quarterback faster. So you didn't get a chance to have those bigger plays, but you look at it this season though, like, you know, there's not as many sacks, uh, you know, we're, we're not, you know, really just stuffing the run, you know, like they were stuffing the run a year ago, you know, you have pain and, you know, them guys up front, uh, you know, that you, you pay a lot of money to Jonathan Allen, uh, you know, big guys that came into the NFL as run stoppers. And uh, 
So a lot of it can be schematically, but a lot of it too, it just comes on to winning one-on-one battles. And I just don't think they've gotten there this year. Well, John, John, I know Jonathan Allen is like, in terms of like PFF, they've graded him exceptionally well in terms of deep tackles. Um, obviously with Sweat, get the broken jaws out for a month, Chase Young with the ACL. Um, what about Jermaine Davis? I haven't heard him talk about him once. Yeah, you know, the kid from Kentucky, you know, he came out high, highly. Uh, everyone was, you know, was big on him. And let's say he's still a rookie. You know, he's still a young kid. But I think now with Sweats out with the jaw injury now, you know, Chase Young out for the rest of the season, you lose your best two pass rushers. <laughs> you know, like they're gone for the season. Like, and they're both young guys and and everything. So, you know, this is a great opportunity right now for for him to, to make some plays and kind of make a little bit of noise, um, you know, and everything like – where they put him at a stand-up end sometimes just to have him to rush the passer, try to get a one-on-one with a running back and try to beat him and, and sack the quarterback. And is he picking up the scheme? You know, it's a lot different than in college. You know, defensively, you know, you have to understand, like, it's all about matchups. If he get caught on third down in a two-man coverage and he got the back one-on-one or he got the tight end one-on-one, there's some very athletic tight ends in this league. And, uh, and can he hold up? Because the one thing we learned is they're not putting Collins on a lot of these tight ends anymore, yeah. you know, because he's been lost in coverage a lot this year. So they're trying to put him down closer to the line of scrimmage because they feel like he tackled better. They feel like, you know, at this point in his career, they feel like this is a transition phase for him to, to continue his career is being closer to the line of scrimmage. That's where he's more felt. So, you know, would, would that help out a little bit? But who's going to replace Collins as far as like schematically wise in pass coverage? And then this obviously isn't an excuse for the poor play, but do you think they're regretting not keeping Kerrigan in the mix? Well, I, I think they do because depth, you know, depth is an issue. Uh, like you say, Kerrigan, you know, he's a guy that's been watching a long time. And when you, I think he was a key piece in holding this young group together. Um, yeah. You know, I think his leadership, like that's something you can't teach. It's something you can't really coach. And sometimes I think coaches and, and owners take that for granted where they get rid of older guys you know, saying, thinking like, oh, we can count on these younger guys. No, sometimes you need that older guy just to kind of hold things together a little bit. And uh, I can think like right now with, with both DNs out, you know, Kerrigan would be a great guy right now to help pick up some of that slack because it's not just about the physical aspect, but it's the mental aspect that he can yeah. do to help these guys around him. And then on offense, obviously, Curtis Samuel's been stricken by injury almost every game of the year. Cosme's been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. A guy that grabbed in the second round, I think he's been one of the best tackles, most rookie tackles so far. Obviously, he's getting back on the field. I think he missed about a month. But the offense with, with Logan Thomas missing time. With Samuel, do you think Sam, does Samuel give you kind of Paul Richardson vibes? Like, all right, the guy got paid, comes here, and now he can't stay healthy. And now we're like, well, what do we do? Yeah, man, it's just, it's crazy. Like, you know, this was supposed to be a pair that, you know, another Ohio State paired up, you know, with, with his guy, you know, and it's supposed to have been, supposed to have been it. And all of a sudden, you know, now he gets to Washington and he can't stay healthy. He can't, you know, stay on the field. And this was a big part of their offense that they were, they was wanting to utilize and wanting to get him more involved with, with, with the offense and have him as a threat, not only in the passing game, but in punt returns, you mm -hmm. know, and kickoff returns and, you know, like I said, he's he's gotten paid and it's almost like, OK, did he get paid and, and now he's just content or, you know, like what's going on with these injuries? You know, what I'm saying like, is he doing the right things he need to be doing to taking care of his body? Because 
they're going to need him if they want to like really, really stretch the field. You know, like Logan Thomas has been out and he's still a developing tight end. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the guy converted over from quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he's still developing. So, you know, Curtis Samuel is the piece that they needed. And like you say, like, you know, right now it's just not getting it. No, and then obviously I think, I think they, the expectations were way too high for uh, Antonio Gibson. Obviously, he just converted to running back. And I heard some people before the season saying, oh, well, he's going to have 1,500 yards. I'm like, pump, pump the brakes a little bit. And obviously, he's been hurt. I don't know if he's still got the turf toe from last year, but I think it's something with his shin. And then every week, he looks like he's just, just like kind of struggling to get out there. What do you think has gone on with that? Do you think it's just, just injuries and they're just trying to play him through it? Well, Tony Gibson, I watched him play at Memphis. Like, they utilize him in so many different ways. You know, they put him out in the slot, you know, and let him go one-on-one with linebackers and safeties and um, utilize him as, like, a receiver. And then he's in the backfield. And, you know, let's face it, you know, you know Memphis, you know, nothing against them, but it's not like, you know, playing in the NFL and, you know, <laughs> something and everything. So, you know, it gets a little bit tougher at this level. And uh, I think people, have, they just have these high expectations that they put on these young guys, man, so yeah. early. You know, they want him to be a 1,500-yard running back or a 1,700-yard running back. It's not just on the running back. Your offensive line also got to create opportunity, create space. You know, you like get him to the second level sometimes where he's meeting a linebacker or he's meeting a safety one-on-one. He's able to make an open field move. That doesn't happen often. You know, usually he gets the ball, he's getting hit at the point of attack or two, three yards past the line of scrimmage. So, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. That's why you see running backs have 2,000 yards or 1,700 or 1,500 yards, they get, a, they get the offensive lineman a nice gift because yeah. they know about those guys, there's no them. So, yeah. you know, that's just how it goes. But I think they're putting so much pressure on this guy now. Can Washington do a little bit more with him in the passing game besides just hitting with screens and, and swing passes? Yeah, you can probably move him out to the slot a little bit more. You know, like let him get out there in the open space. He's comfortable with it. But I also think his body is kind of taking a little bit of a beating. You know, he's not used to being pounded on as much as he, you know, as much as punishment he's taken this year. The seeing Trent Williams success out in San Fran just make you scratch your head up. Why the hell we let him go? That always happens, though. You know, Washington always let a lot of guys go, sometimes just way too soon. Uh, you know, it's very rarely that we keep our draft picks. Uh, you know, it's almost like sometimes we go through the storm and then we get ready to try to, you know, get that breakthrough. Boom, we go on to another team, you know. And uh, when you think about Trent Williams, it's hard to find left tackles in this league, man. Like, left tackles is, like, the best thing you can have on any team. You know, especially if you want to keep your quarterback upright and and everything, and to let one like that get away. Whatever happened between him and the GM or the ownership or whatever, like they had to find, they should have found a way to try to work that out because you just don't let a left tackle like that just walk out the door. You know that they're hard to find. If anybody haven't seen him or stood next to him, he's a mountain of a man. You know, he is big. So. It takes it, it takes a really, really, really solid defensive end to get past him on his worst day, you know. Yeah. So this guy is uh he's phenomenal, man. And uh like I said, he's just one of those guys that you just wish that uh could have stuck around, man. Yeah, no, it's incredible because anytime I see what they trade him for conditional third, and I think he's PFF, he's the highest graded offensive player yeah. for PFF the entire season. I think he's like almost like a 97. Like he's been incredible. Like if tackles were if tackles, if a tackle had previously won most valuable player, he'd be in the running. For offensive right. yeah it's right. like it's crazy it's crazy how good he's been and then lino's been fine but he's a, he's a stopgap and then i want to ask it so obviously heineke is not the long-term answer i think you can that's pretty um 
people have, have kind of come to that conclusion. And then obviously Washington most likely is going to have a pretty good draft pick this year. Not the best class as people are saying, you've obviously seen a lot of these quarterbacks that are going to be coming out next year. I want to ask you about a couple of them and kind of get your thoughts and see how you think they might fit in, in DC. So the first one I'm going to ask you is uh, Matt Corral. Everybody's saying he's going to be the best. He's the best quarterback around. He's a lot of people have mocked him to Washington. What, what do you like that you've seen from him? Yeah, Matt Corral, got a chance to see him personally up close uh, Halloween weekend. You know, he played Auburn uh, and everything. So I was in the booth watching the game. And one thing that, that instantly popped off to me is the kid's toughness. Like, you know, he, he's very tough. He left the game with a with apparently ankle injury. And all of a sudden he goes out for maybe five or six minutes and he comes back into the ball game and plays the rest of the game and hadn't missed a snap since. So his durability and toughness is one thing I like. Uh, the other thing I like is – you know, he, he can throw the ball anywhere, all over the field. He plays in a Lane Kiffin-type system that is very heavy RPO, and that's what the NFL is kind of going to now, the RPO system. When you look at Baltimore, you look at Kansas City, you look at Dallas, you look at the Chargers, you look at Philly. You know, it's just a lot of teams that's running that RPO system. You, know, I don't know how much of it I've seen with Washington running a lot of RPO because Haneke is an athletic guy, and I don't see him do a whole lot of RPOs with him. So I just don't think they'll end up doing a whole lot of RPOs if they was to get Matt Corral. You know, I think they're mostly getting him because they feel like, you know, his throwing ability, uh, having to throw in certain holes and areas because of the type of offense that Ole Miss runs, you know, is, you know, is high. Now, what concerns me is he can, he can be careless with the ball a lot sometimes. You know, he can sometimes try to make too much happens and uh, let that ball get away and then um, – you know, sometimes throw into some places he shouldn't have gotten throw or trying to make play. He hadn't had a lot of interceptions. That's really, that's a good thing. Two, two or three. Yeah, yeah. he hadn't had a lot of interceptions. He, he protects the ball really well from that aspect. But just the fumbles, he has fumbles, though. And, uh, you know, that can, you know, in the pocket, trying to do something outside the pocket, that's a huge concern. But other than that, though, I, I like his toughness. I like his grit. And I like his, uh, his, what he brings to the table. Is he a day one starter or is he a guy you going to kind of progress? That's the thing. It all depends on what kind of defense you got, you know, what kind of offensive line you got. You know, a lot of these guys, man, they, they can throw them in there. And, you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence down in uh, Jacksonville, you know, like, yes, the kid has talent, you know, everywhere, you know, uh, but at the same time, if he's getting beat up, if you ain't got everything else around him, like, you know, you know, you can easily like start to make him lose confidence. And uh, so I, I just think from that perspective, you know, they got to find somebody to, you know, to to put around him. That's the same thing with Matt Corral. And I think about Washington, like, you know, what are you going to do around him? You know, it's just so much a quarterback can do, man. I understand quarterback gets a lot of credit sometimes and sometimes I get too much of the blame. But, you know, that's a serious question. What are you going to do if you want to bring this kid in? Who's going to implement around him? Have you seen much of Kenny Pickett, Pitt? Uh, yes, I have seen him. I saw him play against Tennessee. Uh, saw him play a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a North Carolina game. They went in overtime. Uh, like I said, like the kid, you know, I heard a lot about him, uh, you know, some of the things he's gone through and, uh, and everything and his competitiveness. The one thing I think that makes him a little bit tougher at this aspect is the fact that he's not playing at a big SEC school. So he's having to fight and claw with a little bit lesser talent than some of the teams that he's had to play against. But, you know, he's a guy that can put up some good numbers. You know, there's been uh, – we all know some good quarterbacks come out of pit, uh, you know, Marino and stuff, you know, prime yeah. example. But uh, Fitzgerald come out of it as, as well. So, um, you know, you got some guys that come out of pit and done really well in the NFL. So, especially the offensive linemen. Uh, 
So, but he's a guy, I, I like him. I would probably say right now, if I had to rate the top two quarterbacks in college football, it would probably be, you know, up to Matt Corral and, and you know, and him. Do you think, does it, does it concern you that he was kind of off the draft radar up until a couple months ago? No, it doesn't concern me. Uh, like I say, you know, it's all about winning. You know what I'm saying? Pitt wasn't winning. So when yeah. you're not winning, nobody's really paying that much attention to to what you're doing school-wise and everything. But winning constitutes everything. You know, once you start winning, winning attention happens. You start getting ranked, you know. You know, they're ranked in the top 25. And so then that starts to bring in notice. So then it starts to pay, make people, pupils, start to pay more attention and, uh, and see why is this team ranked? Why is this team, you know, ascending now? Like, what's going on? So typically – it has a lot to do with the quarterback position. And I think that's the reason he's kind of been getting a lot of attention here this year. Does he remind you of anybody that we've seen before in the NFL? Uh, um, what is it, 6'4", 6'5"? Yeah, he's 6'4". I think he may be 6'5". He's a 6'4 guy. You know, he can um, got a good arm, great arm. And I think about it, it's like – Really can't say Wentz, but you can kind of say Carson Wentz a little bit, you know, before the knee injury, uh, you know, just can he, can that, he, is you know, he mobile? Strong. I haven't really watched him at all. Yeah, he's a little bit of mobile. He's a little bit mobile. You know, uh, like I say, he's, you know, most of these guys now, man, they come in they're a little bit more athletic, you know, yeah. like the game has gotten to the high school level a lot quicker. So when they come into college, they're ready to play day one, you know, just cause the systems that they're running. So when they go to the NFL, if the NFL, like the NFL, when I came in, you know, it would have been a lot more difficult for these guys to run these RPO systems because they would be forced to have to learn defenses. They would be forced to have to call out pass protections and re redirect the mic, you know, redirect the the blitz calls and, and all those type of things that you have to be more involved with as a quarterback. But now you come into the league, all right, I'm running RPO. If the linebacker blitzes, I'm going to pick the ball up behind and throw a slant. You know, if he hangs back, I'm handing it off to the running back. You know, if the nickel's cheated inside, I'm a fake it running back, throw the throw the bubble pass to the receiver. You know, it's just so many different things that they don't even have to worry about reading the defense. It's just get up and go, look at one or two people, snap the ball and play. You know, so that's helping a lot of these guys out. And the one last guy I want to ask you about is I was being linked to Washington a lot is Malik Willis, who was out of Auburn before he left to go to Liberty. And we were talking beforehand. Um, what have you seen out of him this year? Obviously, the competition that they've played and obviously they yeah. didn't play well against Ole Miss but the competition obviously not not cream of the crop but individually no. he's been incredible <laughs> well I, I know him a little bit uh you know he was at Auburn you know he was a hyper kid man uh very hyper fun to be around when he was at Auburn you know he was so young he didn't kind of take it as serious you know he was kind of a little jokester a little bit you know but when he ended up transferring and got the liberty with Hugh Freeze this like the light switch has come on. Like, you know, they wanted to, uh, you know, move into another position at Auburn at the time. But then, like I said, if he'd had that same mindset there, you know, maybe he'd have been the guy at Auburn. But, you know, like I said, whatever he's done at Liberty, whether it's from how they're, they're strategically, like, structured as an environment, and then what Hugh Freeze brings to the table, he's one of the better offensive minds in college football. And, uh, and like you said, yes, he plays at Liberty, but I saw him play in person this year against UAB. And like I said, he's a big, strong guy. You know, he's one of those guys that take more than like one or two people to bring him down. Uh, he can break tackles. He can get away from people, um, you know, so he can keep plays a drive. I mean, keep plays alive. Now, what concerns me is, you know, accuracy sometimes, you know, can he, can he be very accurate where in the NFL, you got to be able to throw pinpoint accuracy sometimes was open in college in the NFL, you know, 
open is a totally different thing. It may be a foot separation. We consider that open, you know what I'm saying? So you know, that would be my only thing with Malik is, can he come into a, a big city like Washington and will he be able to be very accurate with the football? Because making plays with the legs, he's going to do that wherever he goes, you know? But I think it takes – for him to be really successful, I think it takes more of having everything strategically around him better. And then one, having, you know, like I said, being able to be an offensive minded coach to utilize him in the ring. They use him a lot in the run game at Liberty. Like he runs a lot. And in the NFL, do you want your quarterback to run that much? So you have to ask yourself that. Does he remind you kind of like a Jalen Hurts or, or could he be better? He's similar, he's similar to Jalen Hurts. He's just a little bit bigger. Uh, from a size standpoint, uh, for like you know legs and arms and everything, but uh, you know he he does play a, a, a little similar like Jalen Hurts and everything as far as like the whole running and and you know play action pass and those different type of things. So, like I said, but they run him a lot more than Oklahoma did with Jalen Hurts and Bama did with Jalen Hurts. Like he runs a lot at Liberty. Is he the kind of guy that you kind of want to? progress you don't want to just throw him out there day one yeah he's not the guy i would throw out there day one uh he's more of a guy that i would develop a little bit more from the passing standpoint like i said the natural talent takes over when it comes to running and and you know creating plays on the on the scramble but he's a guy that you'll probably have to bring in put him behind a really good quarterback or try as much as you can to like get him acclimated with the playbook you know, first and foremost, but, you know, just continue to work on him with his passing. Because you remember, he got that extra year because of COVID, yeah. you know, so he's almost like a six-year senior right now, you know, in college. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, you know, he got the extra year with COVID. So, uh, you know, he's definitely a more mature, you know, a little bit above shoulders than some of those other guys. But, you know, from an aspect of just being a football player, man, he's a football player, you know, uh, but I would just take my time with him, just develop. I would just throw him directly out there because, that's what Chicago tried to do with Jalen Hurts. They tried, I mean, not Jalen Hurts, uh, Fields, Fields, uh, Justin Fields. They tried to, to, to give Justin Fields time to develop, you know what I'm saying? Because they knew their offensive line wasn't strong enough right now. They knew offensively they needed Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton could get the ball out really quick because he understood the coverages. He understood that they don't have an offensive line that's going to give you three, four seconds to throw the ball. And see, Justin Fields, when he first started off and they threw him out there, man, he was getting crumbled. You know, if people remember the Cleveland game, and now all of a sudden the Pittsburgh game on Monday night, he played good. They got screwed. You know, though. They got screwed. Yeah they, yeah, they got screwed in that game. You know what I'm saying? He played good in that game because they set up play action passes and they got the line a little bit better. But most games, man, he's been getting pummer, man, because he don't have that time. Yeah, no. So w- which of those three quarterbacks, if Washington has their pick, do you see having kind of like the best fit and the most success with? Oh, man, I would probably say if I, if I had to go – I'll probably go with the kid. I would just go with probably Matt Corral, you know, just because I've seen him play, you know, consistently for two years at Ole Miss. Um, like I said, like Lane does a lot of good stuff offensively, you know, that he's seen that maybe he can sit in a quarterback room and be like, hey, coach, we did this at at, at Ole Miss to, you know, create this because plays are plays, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, so it may be some things there. And I just think because of the talent he's played against, it's it's a catch between him and the kid from Pittsburgh. I just don't really think you go wrong with either one. Like I do, I think from a durability standpoint, I'd probably say the kid from Pittsburgh, just because Matt Corral is not a huge guy. And like he's not uh he's not gonna pass he's your like eye 205, test. Yeah. Right. He's not gonna pass your eye test. You look at him like uh, you know what I'm saying? But the kid from Pittsburgh, he kind of passes your eye test. And so with that being said, 
I probably reverse my decision and go with the kid from Pittsburgh just because playing in that division, long-term durability is the reason I take the kid from Pittsburgh. Because obviously, yeah, Washington with the with Haskins, they don't want to mess this up. So they're hopefully right. they're doing this. I know uh, Marty Herney and uh, Martin Mayhew, they've been out looking. I think they were at the game a couple weeks ago, the Pitt UNC game. I think they were out looking. And then one other one other quick one, Desmond Ritter. Is he is he does he get your attention at all? Or is he kind of like one of those kind of wild the kid cards? From, uh, Cincy, from Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati. I like him because I like Fickle, the coach. Um, like I, I said, think he's a fifth-year senior too. Yeah, he's a fifth-year senior. The thing with, with, with that is you, you don't get a chance to see much of them. You know what I'm saying? They played Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame. Big game. But Notre Dame is not what it used to be. You know what I'm saying? So – and you look at their schedule, like they're fighting with teams like Tussle, you know, it went on a one yard line, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, competition matters, not knocking him or anything like that. Like, I do think he's a solid quarterback, but I just wouldn't put him in front of the other two guys. Do you think Washington's coaching staff, obviously I think Rivera's, Rivera is a lock to stay. Would you be surprised mm-hmm. if they move up from Scott Turner in favor of somebody else? Maybe if the offense can't get going. Well, I think these last time in the game, what they're, what three and six, and so they have eight games left. So I think these the last it. five are against NFC East. I know they still have Carolina, Seattle. Maybe is that it? No, there's probably one more. I'm drawing a blank on the third one. And then the last five is against the NFC East, and yeah, that's not two against division. two against Dallas. Now that that's tough. Those two, yeah. Philly. I think you can. Those two are winnable. You know. uh of course, the Giants, they get the Giants want blood. After, they want blood after yeah, that. The Giants want a rematch because, you know, Giants kind of had their number the last two years. I do think this is an audition for Scott Turner, these next eight games, for him to stick around. You know, I think uh, Coach Revere wanted to give him that opportunity to be a coordinator in the NFL and then having uh, Coach Zampezi, who I know very well from Cincinnati, uh, you know, to come over, been a longtime quarterback coach in the NFL. Um, I do think um, – from that standpoint, you do have, you know, a quarterback coach that knows how to coach up the quarterbacks. But from an offensive-minded standpoint, when you're as young as Scott Turner in the game, even though your dad was the offensive coordinator for, for years and won Super Bowls, it still is different when you're trying to get going and trying to get developed. And the offensive calling is, is it's an art. Like, you can't just call plays to call plays. Like, you have to be thinking – two, three drives ahead when you're calling plays and uh, and everything. So, you know, I, I think based off however they finish these next eight games will answer that question for you. Do you think Kellen Moore would jump ship from Dallas to come here or do you think he oh, wants a head no. coaching job? No, I think Kellen Moore likes the Dallas Cowboys attention. You know, he had a chance to go to Boise State, be the head coach. But when you're the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator and you're early 30s, you know, like, and you got Dak as your quarterback. You got all these weapons, C.D. Lamb and Gallup and, you know, like, I'm probably missing three or four more. Cooper, Z, Tony Pollard, great offensive line. So why would you leave that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know you got everything that you need on offense to be successful. So he can wait his turn for the right opportunity to be a head coach. And we have to be careful in this NFL is that, like, a lot of times we think because guys are great coordinators, that makes them great head coaches. That's right. not the case. You know what I'm saying? Like being a head coach, you have to be a CEO of a whole of a whole building. And you have to be able to bring that whole building together. When you're a coordinator, you're only the CEO of one side of the ball. You just got to worry about bringing that one side of the ball together. 
So it's a totally difference between going out speaking at public places, going out doing things, coming back, still trying to be involved with play calling, still trying to be involved with calling plays and doing this and that. Like it's a whole lot more that comes with being a head coach than being a coordinator. That's why you see so many guys that become coordinators, they get a head coach and then they struggle and then all of a sudden they're fired. But then as soon as they go back to being a coordinator, boom, they're doing great things because it just fits them. So, you know, you have to be careful. I think he's still some years away from being seasoned to be a head coach. No, it's, it's interesting. With Dallas this year, does this Dallas seem to feel different from any of them? Like for the past 15, because every year they're like, all right, the Cowboys yeah. are going to be the real deal. And then we're like, no, yeah. they're not. This year, like eight and one against spread. What are they? Eight and one. Eight and one record, eight and two. They get eight yeah. and one. And they're, 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 they're eight and two. Think, they lost to Denver and uh, seven and two. Lost to Denver no, and Tampa. Uh, Tampa. 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 We've won. Yeah. So they got mm-hmm. Chiefs this week. Do you think this is their kind of audition to be like, we're the real, we're the real deal? This game here, just off what the Chiefs have done the last two weeks, um, like I, I like what I saw from the Chiefs uh, Sunday night. You know, I feel like Sunday night they kind of got my homes back to not trying to do too much. And like we're going to do some of the boring stuff, you know, that makes the offense go and not stop and, and get away from all this flashy stuff that they like to do because they have all the pieces to do it. But it was catching up with them. Defense was catching up. Defense is just sitting back eight people dropping eight people and rushing three and saying, oh, hey, see what you can do. And making Mahomes throw into traffic, which he calls him throw interceptions. And then all of a sudden now you look up and this past game, they did a lot of the most boring stuff, but it worked and it put up a lot of points for him. I think Andy Reid is trying to bring it back in. So I think they're trying to like hit strides again. So I do think this is a big game for Dallas. I do think they can go in there and put up numbers on Kansas City just because Kansas City defense to me has been their Achilles heel and they're still trying to develop. So see what happens this weekend. It's going to be a big game. I think if Dallas wins this game, it gives them a lot of confidence. That Denver loss was tough, especially with Aaron Rodgers being out. That Kansas City game, you knew that's probably a loss for them. And then you lose to Denver, you know, or you could have got a head up you know, a home field advantage in the playoffs, you know, that cost them big time. So this makes this Kansas City game even bigger for them. I wish they make this the Sunday night game because I don't know why they keep – I don't yeah, want to see Mason Rudolph. Do I don't want to see Mason Rudolph <laughs> with, the, with the light and then the lights. With so the, is being still not back? I think – I don't know. I don't know. So, I think they could, that. They, they've been talking about Rudolph and Haskins all week. I don't know what the hell's going on with Ben. He said he's on COVID, but – Nobody wants to see Mason Rudolph. Why is Steelers going to be on these primetime games? Like Nobody wants to see them. It's like when they right, get to well, get the Giants. Right. Big <laughs> the fan Steelers. base. Big fan yeah, base. Big fan base. Brutal. They're brutal to watch. Right. Great defense. They're brutal to watch. They get no offensive line for Najee Harris. He's getting the shit kicked out of him. He's somehow getting yeah. 20 touches a game. Yeah. He's incredible. He had no line. It's like, get, we don't want to see them on Sunday. We don't want to see them. Get them off. Yeah. Uh, we finally got rid of the Giants. The Giants used to be on yeah. all the time for no right. reason at all. But the, right. now it's like the Steelers. Like, get the Steelers off of primetime. Right. Their offense is like watching paint dry. Yeah. You know, like no. And they got weapons, too. Offense. They got right. weapons, too. And they, Ben can't just can't find them. That's why I think if Rodgers, if Rodgers somehow finds his way there, if he can finesse his way there, I think if they get an oh, offensive yeah. line, they're a juggernaut. Uh, well, that's the thing. He's trying to finesse his way there. You know, but uh, we'll see how things play out in Green Bay because I think Green Bay is going to be willing to try to drop him this four-year extra contract after this year to hold on to him and yeah. finish his career in Green Bay. But I don't know if the if the relationship is, is you know, salvageable or not. But, uh, you know, I wish the NFL would just go to a flat schedule for all these games. After I don't understand four. why it's so hard. It's literally like, hey, you know. you're playing two hours later. 
Right. Just go to yeah. a flat schedule where, yeah. okay, based off the records or based off the teams that has that game, they can decide who gets the Sunday night game. You know, like yeah. you would want to see Kansas City and Dallas Sunday night. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like who wouldn't want to see that? You know, yeah. how many people are going to tune in to Pittsburgh and uh, who was the Giants they playing? Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. Struggling. Well, see, struggling. they'll pick up the, they'll watch that game just because they want to see Herbert. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if Big Ben was playing, okay, you have more people tuned in. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, people still want to see more of Dallas and Kansas City, you know, right now. Like, yeah. So they definitely should go to a flat schedule, man. I'm not understanding why they why they haven't, but it, it should be flats. No, yeah. They think that we say like, like after like week 10 or 11, they could do it. They need 10 yeah. days. What do you need 10 days notice for? <laughs> like, I don't get it. It's wild. But do appreciate yeah. you taking time as always. How can people find you on social media and check out? I know you get the show on CBS. I can people check that out too. Yeah, you find me on social media, Instagram, jcampbell17, uh, blue check mark. And then if you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, jcam17. I mean, yeah, jcam underscore 17. Um, and also you can find me at Auburn. I do my podcast, Taylor Beth Davis. She's an ESPN analyst as well. So uh, we have a podcast called Believe in Everything Auburn. So you can tune into our podcast. It's free subscription. Uh, if you want to hear about college football, tune into that. But uh, other than that, man, sometimes you catch me on CBS, Monday NFL quarterback on CBS Sports Network. Um, other than that, that's pretty much what I do with that. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate you taking time. Glad to see Washington get a win, even though they're screwing up their draft draft uh, stock. <laughs> but uh, yeah, people weren't expecting that win, though. You no, know, it, no. Yeah. It's, it's killed. It killed three of my parlays, but it, it's good. <laughs> Glad to see them at least get like a real a real win. So that yeah. yeah but, but do appreciate you taking the time.